0: I like to dance around my room before each interview. You know what I was just listening to?
1: Uh, W-A-P by Cardi. (laughs) (laughs) Inappropriate.
0: everyone. Welcome to Shiny Epi People. I'm Lisa Bodner. This is the show where we admit that the pandemic has made us feel like inadequate, unproductive, moody, overwhelmed epidemiologists. And in fact, that's part of the discussion today with my guest, Haley Bannock. Haley is a research assistant professor of epidemiology and environmental health at the University at Buffalo. Haley studies obesity, women's health, and aging. And as you probably know, she is a method superstar. I think that Haley and I met back in 2012 at S.E.R. in Miami. We were at a party both in a line of people doing tequila shots, which is a whole other story. Today, Haley and I talk about family and career, and you'll note that I put the family part first. Haley and I talk about something that we think is just really underappreciated and underrecognized in our field, which is the importance of prioritizing personal life when making professional decisions. In addition to that, we talk a lot about how the pandemic has changed how we work and how we parent. I laughed really hard when um, I was recording and editing this episode. If you know Haley, she is so funny and so smart. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. so
1: excited to be here.
0: I'm so excited to have you here. One of the first things that connected us as friends was a very under-recognized aspect of our careers, which is considering family and professional decisions. I have a personal experience with this, and so did you. So could you share a little bit about your experience when you completed your degree at McGill? Sure.
1: So I had both of my kids during my doctoral degree. It kind of complicated things when I was looking for postdocs and then jobs. I had to consider what was best for my kids and my husband and also my career. So I just I really was kind of blindsided with this whole realization about, oh, I might want to go to school X or school Y or go to Europe to do my postdoc or, you know, explore all these super amazing options that are out there. But like, how would I get childcare? And who's going to pick up the kids at the end of the day if I'm working 80 hours a week? So it it just sort of hit me in a very real way that potentially my career goals and my sort of family goals won't always align. And that was a tough realization Because I never thought about it in those terms before.
0: When I made my decision to move back home to Pittsburgh, it felt like I was disappointing a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They felt like I should go to one of these top universities. And I didn't want that. I didn't want my career to be my entire life. I wanted to have a family. My parents and my sister live here. I, you know, my grandparents lived here. Like I wanted my kids to grow up near their family. The backlash that I felt was really serious. It mm-hmm. it felt awful. It and it took me a very long time to come to terms with this. Yeah. And
1: you know, we've talked about this, about how under-recognized and underappreciated. These considerations are when you are making such an enormous life decision. I mean, there are great schools out there and great departments with great people, but they might not fit with what you want for your life. And so even though you might be a fantastic professional match that's only one slice of your life it's okay to talk about what you want for your personal life and how you see that playing out when you are making these decisions and you know so much i feel is emphasis is placed on well what school is it and you know all these sort of criteria but then overlaying all that is you're not likely going to be happy at your job if you're not happy in your personal life and for me that meant considering commute times and childcare costs and school districts when I was making these decisions. And people didn't always understand how or why I could be doing that. And I know when I was going through this, you and I talked and you very clearly told me, you know, this is okay. You have, you don't need my permission, but you have permission to worry and, and consider about these issues because it's your life, you know, nobody else has to live your life. And if you're not happy, none of your job stuff matters. And that I just wish more people understood that as young academics making these decisions.
0: It feels like this is something that's become a little bit more accepted. Have you felt that way? I mean, I think a lot of
1: things have changed. Firstly, I mean this with complete sincerity that people like you who did this Kind of paved the way for the rest of us to um, make it easier for us to make these decisions. You've had a tremendously successful career where you're at, and you have. And you know, it, it. I think part of the message that I took from your story and our discussions is, if you are a hard worker and you know you dedicate yourself to your the work that you love, you will be successful. And every school has different advantages, regardless of the name on the letterhead. There are great advantages to being at different schools. You know, not everyone can be at the schools and, you know, the top 10 list of schools of public health. That's just not how, well, job hunting works. And so, you know, I I see the fact that you and others have helped
0: pave the way
1: for the rest of us made it easier.
0: Oh, you're sweet. I think that one of the tough things is that our identity is so wrapped up in our career. If your work really becomes who you are, then it's very hard to make a decision that isn't the best thing for your career.
1: Yes, and and again, you know, you and I both have kids and so this is part of our calculus. Other people who don't have kids, don't have a partner, their calculus is going to be completely different than what ours is and so I guess recognition of the fact that everyone is going to use different criteria, different rubric when they're making this decision. You know, I know there are people who may not have family or kids and they might want to be close to their siblings or a very good friend or their parents if they're aging or not. There's all these different connections that people might want to prioritize. Uh, when they're making these job decisions those are all valuable reasons for or against choosing a job nobody really you know says well did you think about how this might affect your long-term family plans that's not a question I received maybe other people get it but it, it was not something I received aside from you know my discussions with you a little bit it's a really shitty feeling to you know Feel that conflict so deep within you that your two identities are like warring with each other. Yeah, it sucks.
0: I think a very simple question to ask people is where do you want to live?
1: Yes, your life matters. You get a say in this. You make your way wherever you are. You know, there's great opportunities at all these different places.
0: The other issue that I think really brought us together as friends was the struggle that we were both experiencing during this pandemic while we're trying to work from home, or as I've heard people call it, living at work. (laughs) I've never heard that. I love that. (laughs) And we're also trying to meet the needs of our kids. We are really struggling with this. People that might look like they have their shit together are really having a hard time.
1: Yeah, it sucks. We could end the podcast with that sentence
0: um, <laughs> because
1: it's honestly impossible. I have almost zero rules in my house. iPad, candy, pop, whatever. Just, just, shh, shh, children, shh, just. But my brain doesn't work in short bouts. I can't write a manuscript in 15 minutes of quiet before it's like, snack, mom, he's hitting me. You know, and, and the other thing that sucks is that it feels never Ending. I know at some point there won't be this acute active pandemic stressor, but I remember in March when the kids came home and it was supposed to be until after March break. And I was like, what are we going to do for two <laughs> weeks with the kids at home? How <laughs> on earth is yeah. this going to happen? Like, yeah. what? And now it's six months in, the story's still the same. <laughs> and yeah.
0: I remember thinking back in March I will never survive this. Yeah. Like I won't, I, I was, you know, you and I were both not, to, not meant to be stay at home mothers. And I was literally, and then people would say, Oh, they might be done with the school year right now. And I was like, no, Don't say that, it. I, no, I can't, like, I can't, no, I, know. I can't.
1: I remember it was March and I was like, June is so far away, you know, like a <laughs> lot could change between now and June. Maybe we can open up. Didn't happen. Early on when you and I were both freaking out about the pandemic I spoke to this woman was on her own in her apartment she said she did not have any human interaction for six weeks and I was like holy shit like as much as I want to poke my children's eyeballs out right now like at least I have another human to talk to like are you do you want to move here like we have space you know these are considerations for everyone not just you know people who are lucky enough to have kids
0: the first 2 weeks of that quarantine i was crying every day it was like just make it to lunch mm-hmm. then just make it to dinner and what helped me the most was increasing my dose of ssris <laughs> i mean it was crisis it was grief it wasn't just we're changing environments and it's hard.
1: I think that speaks to everyone having different emotions during this time. My predominant feeling was just completely overwhelmed. My mind couldn't even think four hours at a time when every 10 minutes somebody needed something from me. My brain was like on overload all of the time. I was likening this to a sort of exposure therapy for anxiety, where, you know, like, let's say you have a a terrifying fear of spiders or something, and then your therapist puts like a spider on your arm, and you have to just like, live with that extreme (laughs) discomfort. So basically, I've just had spiders crawling all over my body for, you know, May. not that my children are spiders. But you know, that's the analogy I'm drawing. Once you have lived with these spiders crawling all over you, you then aren't quite as bothered by those enormously stressful feelings. I couldn't live in this like red alert, super overwhelmed, stressful state forever. So gradually, as my brain adjusted to this crazy situation, it just Mm -hmm. feels less acutely stressful. So people are always like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I have no fucking idea how to answer that question like either you say okay and just get the part of the conversation I'm over with you say fine which is totally a lie and I don't know who would be saying fine right now or I say status quo which is really how I feel like things are at this like kind of stable stage for like the moment you've asked me that question
0: yeah these are tough times these are the toughest yeah. times maybe I've ever lived through
1: I will say the stress of making job decisions still worse
0: <laughs> than how I am feeling today. So we're we're talking about the top two th- stressful things we've yes. ever uh, okay. <laughs> I will I will I will give it that.
1: It's it's definitely in my list, but it is so helpful to know that every parent is trying to figure out the same things. And everyone has their kids' best interests at heart, and and there's no single right answer. Which is like such a classic epi. It depends, mm-hmm. you know. It, it really depends on where you're at and how old your kids are, and you know all these things. I was talking to someone who was sending their kid to college, which is a totally different conversation than me trying to figure out kindergarten for my kids. So mm-hmm. it's just it's so comforting that everyone's in this together, and I think we just need to keep that conversation going that we are all in this together, even if we have different, you know, specific considerations.
0: I think a bright spot for me has been seeing that it's okay to let go of some of the control that I have at home. We're happy, probably happier. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I hope that I carry some of this with me when this is over.
1: I think there's a lot of lessons learned. Like my kid his brain is actually not going to turn to mush if you let him watch an unlimited amount of screens. Like this, you know, pervasive idea in parenting, like screen time is so bad for your kids. Like you are a bad, bad parent if you just let them go. And now it's like, ah ha ha, ha. I proved you wrong, folks. Nothing's gonna happen yet. It's just really messed with so much of the rules that I've established in our house. Like bedtime, what is bedtime? What is time? You know, what is Wednesday? What is Sunday? Like it's all the same right now, you know. And and that's another thing that I do hope, in some way, comes with us moving forward. You need to prioritize your well being and your kids' well being, and whatever that looks like or whatever that takes. If it means you don't feel like putting your kids to bed and they stay up till nine thirty or ten, like whatever. Maybe they'll sleep in, maybe they'll be cranky, maybe they'll nap the next day, whatever. Who cares if that's what you need to do? You know, if your kid wants to eat ice cream for breakfast, like it's dairy, you know. <laughs> there's there's some nutrients. It's it's almost like having cereal, you know. Add a few somethings on top, and right. it's basically a bowl of cereal, that right? Some nuts. So, yeah, protein, right? right? Nuts that's are healthy. dairy and protein. It's you could add some fruit, and then you truly have almost all the food. <laughs> and you know, none of that matters. And I think that I, I I hope that that part of Haley stays with me after, you know, we're through this.
0: Well, let's make a promise to try to hold each other accountable to that.
1: Yes. More people should be eating ice cream for breakfast.
0: It's like a smoothie.
1: Yes. So all these like influencers who make these fancy smoothies, firstly, my number one question, who is washing the blender every day? That is the worst. My God. The blender? I really like smoothies. But have you ever had to stick your finger in and like try to wheel it around <laughs> the little blade at the bottom? It is miserable. So, yes.
0: And you're afraid you're going to cut yourself.
1: And yes. then you have
0: to twist off the bottom. And mm. and then things leak. Oh, and everyone who I talked to about
1: this is like, throw it in the dishwasher. And then, you know, three weeks later, you'd make your smoothie and it explodes all over your kitchen because the seals have all broken because you had it in the dishwasher. So basically, I don't know who you smoothie people are. And if you have a live in butler or something to wash your blender, good for you. But my kids will just eat the ice cream scoops (laughs) with the fruit, maybe or not on top. That's a breakfast smoothie.
0: Totally. I'm sure that, yeah. you know, if there are people on Twitter that can defend a blenderized smoothie, come at us.
1: Cause Yeah, come at us because I don't know who you folks are, but <laughs> you know, it's it's a total mistreatment. <laughs> and I have envy because it really does look delicious and refreshing. You can throw people who put that spinach and kale and they're like, You can't even taste it. And I'm like <laughs> I ate kale salad last night and it tasted like I was eating soil from my garden. (laughs) Right. And so if you could throw it in a smoothie, that would be fantastic.
0: Haley, can you tell me about a time when you met an epidemiology celebrity? Oh yes. I still remember how nervous I was.
1: There was a causal inference meeting in Montreal I remember seeing Tyler Vanderweil walk across a hallway and like stopping and throwing my body <laughs> against the wall because maybe I thought he wouldn't see me. I don't, I, he didn't know who I was. Why would he stop? I was just so completely blown away by seeing him in person.
0: And Tyler is like such a sweet man. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, now, probably 10 years later, I know that. And I'm sure if I had said like, hello, Dr. Vanderweel, or something, you know, normal, rather than throwing my body against a wall, um, you know, that that would have been completely fine.
0: Which of your five senses would you say is your strongest?
1: Sight, definitely sight. I just have a very fine eye for detail. I really don't like when things don't line up properly, when the coloring is off, when you're working on a manuscript. And you know how sometimes the spacing gets all messed up, like spacing after the paragraph versus line spacing. And when there's inconsistencies, it's like my brain wants to just, it can't handle it. Yeah.
0: Or people who send tables that are like the worst formatting and you're like, no bolding, stop bolding. Stop bolding. Stop,
1: you know, using different colors in the background. Like, what? Are, what is a yellow background versus a light gray background? What, what are you trying to tell me right now?
0: All the grid lines. Oh, my uh, God. Get rid of those grid lines.
1: We need to have a, a separate podcast about <laughs> Microsoft Word.
0: What's one thing that people tend to do daily or weekly that you're really bad at? When you
1: ask that question, my initial reaction was laundry. <laughs>
0: How are you bad at laundry? I hate it. That's okay. how I'm bad at it. Okay. I
1: hate the whole process
0: of laundry. But that and, doesn't
1: mean you're bad at it. Well, yeah, I'm bad at it because I hate it so much that I won't separate things and then things get colored weirdly. And so, I, and I also, oh, I feel like I'm revealing a lot about myself. I always forget to take the wet laundry out of the washing <laughs> machine yes. until like sometime the next day. And I'm like gah again I have to wash and then we just repeat the process until my husband is finally like stop doing the laundry I will handle
0: that What are small things that make your day better
1: Connecting with people super important for me receiving thoughtful emails thinking of you or thought you'd like this paper or, you know, just to make it, you realize that there are people out in the world that are thinking about you. And I, I really love that a lot.
0: If you're listening, send Haley a <laughs> personal email. <laughs> but not all at once, because then you're going to be spammy. <laughs> but if you
1: see something that you think, Oh, tips for doing laundry, as an example. (laughs) How to clean a blender, as another example. Please send me all those tips, because clearly I am in need of those.
0: If you could shoot one condiment from your belly button, which would it be and why?
1: Wait, clarification. Is it for me to eat the condiment that I squirted out? You decide. I guess it would have to be ketchup, because ketchup makes most things better. Although I do love mayonnaise on a sandwich. I don't want to squirt mayonnaise out, though, so it would have to be ketchup.
0: (laughs) Are you particular about how you load the dishwasher? And I'm going to guess yes.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) And if you are not going to load it in the way that I like it to be loaded, just don't do it. Just leave them on top and I will put them in. They have to all face the same direction. You can't just put them in all (laughs) haphazard. So yes.
0: If you went to the spa, what's the treatment you'd choose? Oh, massage.
1: For sure. I'm basically a hunchback sitting on my computer all day.
0: (laughs) Do you fold pizza when you eat it?
1: No, that's really super weird.
0: That's what I think too.
1: (laughs) Why would you fold it?
0: It's a flat thing. There are a lot of people that fold it. It also
1: doesn't make sense. You're trying to eat it twice as fast. Is this like a a pizza race or something?
0: No, I I don't fold my
1: pizza. Okay.
0: (laughs) In your home over the past five months, was there ever a sourdough starter anywhere?
1: Oh my God, no. No, no, no. I, we have consumed innumerable loaves of sourdough bread, which I have purchased like a regular person from the grocery store. no <laughs> starters over here.
0: Is there a book you remember loving as a child?
1: Oh, as a child. That's a good question.
0: I actually loved,
1: always did love the book The Rainbow Fish because it had these little sparkly scales in it. And I still love sparkly things. And then I realized they still have this book. And I'm reading it to my own kids. So I always really liked that
0: book. Oh, Circle of Life. I love Love it. it. If you had to eat a crayon out of the box, what color would it be and why?
1: I'm not sure, but red. As soon as you asked the question, I was like, red. Maybe because it reminds me of ketchup and ketchup goes on everything.
0: Put the red crayon out of your belly button and we're good to go. Yeah. I'm very grateful that you're willing to be vulnerable and share parts of you that you may not share frequently in public.
1: You know what? I know we talked about you starting this podcast before you actually did it. And it is so awesome. Aww. It is super fun to get to know epidemiologists beyond just their name on Twitter or publications. You know, we're all people. Tyler Vanderweel is a really nice person. <laughs> and I should not have thrown my body against a wall when I <laughs> met him for the first time or saw him for the first time. You know, maybe if I had heard him on your podcast, I would have known. Just go say hi. He's a real human, just like the rest of us. And so that is a really important thing about this
0: podcast. When people see you, they're not going to throw themselves against the wall.
1: Oh, my gosh. If I saw you throw yourself against a wall, I would actually come up to you and say, firstly, are you okay? And secondly, (laughs) hi, I'm Haley. (laughs) There are people who, who, um, especially students and stuff, they're like, Dr. Bannock, can I meet with you? And I'm like, firstly, don't call me Dr. (laughs) Bannock. you know? And secondly, yes, I'm happy to meet with you if I have time to meet with you. Like, let's talk. We're both real people.
0: Maybe you need to tell your students before they meet with you that they need to listen to this podcast. Yes, it's required. Like. it's required listening.
1: <laughs> and they'll be like, I cannot trust anything that comes out of her mouth because she knew she wanted to eat the red crayon so quickly and she can't do her own laundry.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Haley. Thank
1: you for having me. This was super fun.
0: fucking crazy about a blender oh, yeah. like that
1: was actually one of my most favorite segments of this podcast how we both share such a passion <laughs> because of they're all over Instagram and it's like they look so simple yes. in those clean tall glasses with the straw and then let's say you're like okay I made I'm so accomplished I made this great smoothie I'm off to my day you leave it in the sink waiting for you when you come back it's just like the first thing you see when you walk in your kitchen is the dirty smelly blender from this morning
0: yeah and that's why ice cream is so much better
1: as I said it's dairy